Hello and welcome to Cage Minds MMA Show. My name is Micah Frankel. I have a website. It's cageminds.com. We have a merchandise available. That's over at nmproshop.com. Check out the social media to also follow what we're doing. Cage Minds Combat Sports News on Facebook. At cageminds underscore CSN on Instagram. The Twitter is at Cage Minds MMA. The YouTube is Cage Minds MMA Show. I'm also a part of the After Hours Podcast Network with MMA After Hours and Pro Wrestling After Hours, doing those with Mr. Michael Carlisle. So a lot of places, a lot of things going on that I'm a part of, and a lot of stuff to talk about on today's show. The Contender Series finally wrapped up Season 5. Johan Lanes improves to 8-0, defeating Justin Berlinson. It's a first-round knockout in 97 seconds. We're going to see two contracts awarded this week, Mahete and Johan Lanes. That's 38 fighters awarded UFC contracts during this fifth season of the Contender Series. We've seen it before. It should be no surprise. The cuts will be coming. The roster will be thinned out to even it out now that there's been this infusion of young talent. Not just UFC stuff to talk about. Bellator finishing their world tour. It was Bellator Ireland there in Dublin. Bellator 270. The lightweight division has a new champion and it stays in the family. The belt is still with a pit bull. Patrique realizes his long dream of grabbing that Bellator title gets it done in the second round. The power punching, hurting Queely, overwhelming him against the fence. The ref jumping in to make the save. This one was one-way traffic. Can't wait to see what Bellator does next. I'm thinking the direction to go, obviously, and we put it there on the Twitter, is to go with Brett Premis, the former champion has obviously shown his medal, the win over Benson Henderson. I think that should be the next fight. Usman Nurmagomedov needs one impressive victory, and then he'll fight the winner of that title fight. The co-main event was originally scheduled headliner, and Patchy Mix gets the submission victory over bitter rival James Gallagher. The Irish, well, they had some epic entrances. Well, that crowd and atmosphere was electric. It didn't translate to what we saw happen in the cage. The guillotine choke gets it done in the third round. We saw many submission attempts, a lot of scrambling. Mix, who had to travel across the world, unfortunately due to COVID restrictions, his team was left in America. He misses weight by a pound and a half but still prevails with all the odds stacked against him. Mix keeps himself in the mix at 135 pounds. This, I think, sits up a title eliminator with Huffian Stotts. Thought Stotts was a sure fire, number one contender after his last victory, but obviously knowing that Bellator 272 is going to see Sergio Pettis versus Koji Hataguchi, I think Patchy Mix and Huffian Stotts need to go down to a title eliminator to keep this division going. We had the first of a back-to-back weekend for Legacy Fighting Alliance in California. 
starting off in Visalia for LFA 117. The main event, Michinori Tanaka, just sweeps the scorecards, does it in devastating fashion. The grappling cannot be stopped by Ricardo Diaz, and it's all for the Japanese fighter, the UFC vet, making a strong case in his LFA debut to get in a title fight and to get right back to the UFC. Talking about making a strong case and a big statement in the co-main event, Yumo Haraguchi defeats Mark Klamako. Klamako came into this one undefeated. Horuchi at 9-4 and four, came in knowing, knowing that three of those losses were by the split decision. It was the jab cross, the 1-2. That cross was disguised beautifully. Kamako did not see the right hand. Goes down on all fours and the TKO comes swiftly after. In catchweight action, Mongolia's Batsombrel Davidorch gets into a firefight with Emilio Williams. The takedown proves the difference, and from there, the ground and pound gets the Mongolian the TKO victory, and we start to see some of the promise that Davidorch came into the LFA with. Haider Amel also gets the knockout done against Robinson or Hovinson Jr. Got TKO in the second round. It was all pressure from Emil. Got two knockdowns in the last 30 seconds of the first round. Having Junior on the ropes. The third knockdown came in the second. And the punches kept flying until you got Emil getting the finish. Also having Junior spread out in that all four position. The ref jumping in for the save. And Jeffrey Craig with an impressive decision win over Christian Avilos to start off the card. Stuffing takedowns, landing elbows, causing a big cut. Devastating stuff there on Friday night. Saturday, before the UFC, there was also some bare-knuckle boxing action going on in New York. And Arnold Adams defeats Joey Beltran by unanimous decision. He's the new bare-knuckle heavyweight champion of the world. As I said, that wasn't the only action in New York. But the big action, the one that everybody was really focused on, was going on over at Madison Square Garden. It's the way it is right now. MMA is number one in my book. And it was UFC 268 taught by those two big rematches. Kamaru Usman defending the welterweight title against bitter rival Colby Covington. And it's a decision. It's a grueling affair. We got into the fifth round last time. And we saw Usman win, stopping Covington, breaking his jaw. This one didn't start off. As the same competitive fight. But boy, did it sure end up that way. The first two rounds, obviously, in Usman's favor. First round, Covington's cut under the right eye and his right cheek. Two knockdowns in the second round, surprisingly to me, because we've already seen the scorecards. No 10-8. Strange. Then we go to a third round, Usman landing, but he's starting to slow. You can see... Covington having his moments. It's a closer round for the challenger finally. Fourth round, the challenger starting to get off. Big body kick. Feels like that is for sure, for sure, the one Covington round. Round five, more back and forth. But again, 
Usman landing the more devastating shots. Once we go to the judges' scorecards, three to two, three to two, and four to one, the champion retains. You dig deeper into the numbers, looking at the scorecards. Obviously, like we said, the first and second round for the champion. The fourth round was Covington's best round. That's his round. Third and the fifth were close rounds. How close? Different judges gave the third round and the fifth round each to Covington. So you could get one of the judges to say the third, fourth, and fifth were each Covington rounds. For him to feel like he won, I guess then isn't out of the realm of possibility. But you could also get an arrangement to get judges that would say Usman won the first, the second, the third, and the fifth. And I don't know how it's not just by a wide margin dynamically that you don't have that 10-8 in the second round. So my scorecard was a 48-46, maybe a 49-45, because I'm looking at that 10-8, and I am respecting the damage done in the second round. The trilogy is put to bed. Their rivalry is over with no trilogy fight to be had. Kamaru Usman moves forward takes that one giant step in his legacy into infamy, another successful title defense. In my book, has already bypassed his predecessor in Tyrone Woodley, the man that he dethroned. Where do we put Usman, though, in the top three? Hard to judge where the legacy of the founding welterweight champion Matt Hughes was. It took a lot for GSP to secede. You want to say that Usman is number two and has already bypassed Matthews, we can go down that road, but it's not so simple. GSP has had more title defenses against what on record I could find as a higher level of competition. To say that Usman has had an incredible run is not hyperbole. It's not just wide out there speculation. It's nothing that people should just be ignoring. But it's five championship victories to nine. It is six victories over former UFC champions to two. It's having been in the octagon for 62 rounds to 48 rounds. It's GSP has absorbed 150 strikes less. And here's the one that really is the kicker for me. When GSP was on his run as champion... His opponent's combined record was 438 to 80. Usman, it's been 100, it's 281 to 70. I feel that the numbers make the case right there. Prime GSP was another animal that when you saw him in his prime, we all have to say we were lucky to have been there, to have seen the greatest welterweight of all time. Now, if you think I'm trying to take away from Kamaru Usman and the praise that, thankfully for once, Dana White gave to one of his fighters, no. We saw the pound-for-pound best fighter in 2021, the best active fighter that MMA has to offer, Kamaru Usman, get in the octagon and have a dynamic performance against what many are calling is the obvious number two best welterweight in the world. 
Gilbert Burns, Leon Edwards, we might have a little bit of debate, but obviously a more than credible challenger. We move on to the other rematch, the co-main event, and still, your women's strawweight champion getting it done by the split decision. Rose Namajunas retains. Wei Li gets a takedown in the first, but that's after eating some leg kicks and some right hands. The speed, the speed made a difference. Thug Rose was landing better. Did the takedown even matter because the right hands were landing so well? I feel like Rose did better also in that second round. She ends the round in mount, but was the one taken down. Wei Li with another takedown and was able to take the back, landed some nice leg kicks in the third round, and it looked like those were starting to make the difference in that round. Rose's right hand, again, starts to just tee off on Wei Li. Wei Li, well, she's great at counter-striking, is not great at initiating, and was having issues when it wasn't an exchange of being able to find a home for any strikes. The leg kicks doing the most damage. And Nama Yunus, like a champion, getting the top time in the fifth round. 4-0 now in rematches. 4-2 in UFC title fights. I thought the split decision was quite generous by one judge. Obviously, to me, you could have went three rounds to two. Possibly even four rounds to one only giving Wei Li that third round. The scorecards are all over the place on the judges. This one, will epically closer than the first one. Again, Nama Yunus puts the rivalry to bed. No need to see this one again. A hard night also for Yoni and Jacek, who wants to be a part of title fights. It would look like the obvious number one contender on a five-fight win streak having taken some time off since May. Only since May, five months ago, Carla Esparza would be next. But Dana White is not so hip to the idea because Esparza has taken, oh, so much time off. That doesn't seem like that much time. Uh, Jessica Andrade then could be a name in the mix. Or Marina Rodriguez would be most likely to me. Rodriguez coming off of the win over Mackenzie Dern. You get a win in a main event. Maybe that earns the title fight. Andrade, after her recent win at flyweight over Cynthia Calvillo, said she'd like to go back down to strawweight to fight the winner of Whaley versus Rose because her and Rose are one and one So I guess that would make sense, except for the part that the last three fights for Andrade were at 125. So just me, if you want to meet Rodriguez versus Andrade, we could do it. But Carla Esparza, the former champion who does have that inaugural women's strawweight title fight win over Rose Namunas and the longest win streak in the division, well, that would make sense to me, but I don't get to make the rules around here. Also, we don't get to make the rules about, and if we did, maybe it'd been the last time we see this legend on Saturday night. Cheeto Vera defeats Frankie Edgar, a la Anderson Silva, Vitor Belfort. The teeth kick to the face. No, it didn't come in the first round. So early it comes in the third. Frankie Edgar had his moments the first round. The takedowns, but ate some damaging up kicks. The second round, the long strikes, the ability to stop the takedowns, the kicks coming up the middle. Vera doing work. 
going into that third round. Edgar, it's not looking good for him. He's getting stuffed. He nearly got finished, it felt like, towards the end of the second round. And there comes that teep kick. A brutal finish. Vera's now won three of four. Was number eight. Frankie coming in. Cheeto was at 13. Obviously switching places. Marab Davishvili is ahead of Cheeto Vera. And those two guys both like to stay active. They're both active fighters. And with the way the Bantamweight division is shaking out right now with Font versus Aldo possibly being a number one contender's fight, I think that Marab versus Marlon Vera fight makes all the sense in the world. Keeping his spot in the featherweight ranking, Shane Burgos ends a two-fight skid combined between Burgos and Billy Quartello. It's 418 landed strikes, a record for a three-round featherweight fight. Early, it was the Quartello jab and pressure. Later, it was the hammering leg kicks and the big right hands from Burgos. Burgos, again, like I said, needed this one picking up the second and third round after a couple scary knockout losses. Talking about scary, good fun, if this is not fight of the year, I suggest we ride. Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, better than advertised, as good as we hope for, and more than we deserve. Chandler comes out and rocks Gaethje in the first round with a right hand, has Gaethje on the rope. Somehow the highlight is able to escape the pressure, regain his wherewithal. Chandler is cut by a hammering right hand. The leg kicks are starting to pile up. It's already fight of the year and we're not even through the first five minutes. Great stuff. Second round, Chandler is dropped. He's getting hurt by the leg kicks, the right hands. I feel like we have our first round of the night that is a 10-8, but the judges do not feel the same. These two gladiators come back out for the third round, and it's a big flurry. Chandler doing what he can to get Gaethje out of there, but Gaethje coming back with the hammering leg kicks, hard right hands, and when Chandler's gas tank is on E, what he resorts to is hands down, walking forward, getting hit with right hands. Gaethje gets the win by decision. He's the number one contender, and not even Daniel Cormier is arguing that. I had said it last week. It didn't feel right that Islam being able to get Dan Hooker on the bad circumstance just got to bypass a legitimate number one contender scenario. Islam Mahashev probably still has to fight Rafael Dos Anjos, if not his former training partner. I'm talking about RDAs in Benil Daryush. And then he'll get his title opportunity. For now, Justin Gaethje should get the winner of Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier at UFC 269. Now for Michael Chandler, he's already shot his shot on Twitter. <laughs> if you like somebody, shoot a shot at him, and maybe it's time we see Iron Michael Chandler and notorious Conor McGregor. Both guys are coming off of L's, high-profile fights. Both guys are known to have less than elite gas tanks, but super elite abilities. We're talking about both guys, the ability to leap in, to crack with power, 
Chandler said he's here for a good time, not for a long time. He's put together some fight of the years. He's a beatable opponent. Let's make that kind of super fight. A former Bellator champion, the former UFC champion, two guys that love to throw down. Chandler versus McGregor. It sounds like a good call out. The feature prelim saw the debut of two-division glory world champion Alex Fajeda. The first round not go as according to plan as Andreas Machidis is able to put the Brazilian on the cage for the majority of the round. But still, when he returned to his stool, had a massive well on his left cheek. The second round, Fajeda lines up Machidis, sets him up, and then puts him down with a jump-in switch-step knee. The right knee came up. The left knee landed. Machidas goes to his back. And then Pajeda is forced by the referee to land one more punch before calling the fight. It's a four-fight win streak, all by knockout, for one of the greatest kickboxers in the world currently, now transitioning over to the sport. And Adesanya did take notice and said he welcomes the challenge. Hopefully, we can get that fight. Hopefully, Fajada keeps to develop his skills under Glover Teixeira, and we do get that, what would be, once-in-a-lifetime kickboxing match in the MMA cage. In lightweight action, also on the prelims, Bobby Green puts away Al Iaquinta, the New Yorker, with not a good night in the Big Apple. The slick counter-striking, Green being untouchable, untouchable with that Philly shell. All of Iaquinta's strikes bouncing off the shoulders. It was a reverse because you have Green as a southpaw changing orthodox. So he went cross jab, knocking down Iaquinta and finding the finish on the ground. Green picking up his 29th career victory. Remember, he's only in this till he pays off his house. And hopefully, with some bonus money right there, it's coming even quicker. Somebody that's just making an introduction to the UFC fans. Us hardcores know him. Chris Curtis got the second chance to fight Phil Haas. And it goes in the action man's favor. Haas was early looking great with the stabbing teeth kick. His one-twos were snapping. Until Curtis just bit down on the mouthpiece, let the left hook go. It lands two times. They get into the clinch. There's a little knee to the body. Hawes pushes to breaks away, realizes his legs are not there, hits the ground, a hammer fist for the finish. Welcome to the UFC, Chris Curtis. Nasuddin Amabov versus Edmund Shabazian is a tale of the grappling. Early on, it was a close fight in the first. It was Shabazian in the second looking for his wrestling, having to fight his way out of ninja chokes in guillotines. But once Imavov was able to stabilize the top position, he starts to bludgeon with big elbows, cutting open Shabazian, and then getting the finish from the Crucifix. This is back-to-back -back now finishes over formerly ranked top 10 foes for the Frenchman. The Irish did not have a great weekend over in Ireland, but Ian Gary, the former Cage Warriors champion, gives the Irish people something to be faithful and hopeful for the future of. It was a slick counter right hand down the pipe. Don't be worried about early on getting tagged by Jordan Williams. Some octagon jitters in his debut. Gary 
keeps that unbeaten mark next to his name with the first round knockout. Got him with one second left on the clock. Chris counter striking as Conor McGregor sliding in and out of danger and then looking for that right hand. And the early prelims, sorry Ian Gary, you may be the future, but the present and the man that stole the moment with the first hyped up dance moves coming down the aisle and then the spinning wheel kick to unceremoniously send John Vellante into retirement. Chris Barnett, 265 pounds, 5'9", but a spinning wheel cook up to a over 6'0", John Vellante. Great stuff. Not to mention, one other news and note, outside of the UFC event from last weekend, on Sunday you did have CES on UFC Fight Pass, and Jorgen De Castro gets back in the win column. The UFC vet with the win there on UFC Fight Pass. Going to turn our attentions now over to the news. And in UFC news, Bruno Silva versus Jordan Wright has been added to UFC 269 on December 11th. That one in the middleweight division. In welterweight action, Muslim Sakaev is going to be facing Michelle Pajeda at UFC Fight Night on January 15th. Roxanne Montaferi has announced she'll be retiring following her fight with Casey O'Neill at UFC 271 on February 12th. That's ranked women's flyweight action. In featherweight action, Chaz Skelly, Mark Striegel, that one has been added to the fight night on February 19th. And Shamil Abdurmahimov versus Tom Aspinall. We're talking about top 15 ranked heavyweights. That one's been added to the fight night on March 19th. The UFC already booking into 2022 heavily. Bellator 272 news. That one is going to be in Eunisville, Connecticut on December 3rd. Lightweights Alfie Davis and J.J. Wilson will be meeting. Wilson, 8-0 in Bellator, missed weight in his last fight, going to be moving up from 45. Kyle Crutchmeyer and Oliver Entenkamp, that one's in welterweight action. Unbeaten Johnny Eblen is going to take on CFFC former champion Colin Huckbody. And Mandel Nall is out. Ricardo Sexus is stepping in to take on Dan Moret. Again, those are all for the December 3rd Bellator 272. LFA made some news at LFA 117. They announced that LFA 119 is going to be December 3rd in Phoenix, Arizona. Josh Averia and Jared Revel are going to battle for the vacant middleweight title. And Richie Palencia versus Alan Bogoso for the vacant Bantamweight title. Also, LFA 120 announced for December 10th, Lake Pryor, Minnesota, women's flyweight title belt. Myra Kantaura going to be taking on Jamie Lynn Horth. One other news and note on bare knuckle boxing. This one, not so great. There's some fallout from October 9th's Bare Knuckle FC Montana. This coming from My MMA News. According to Michael Pazuli, president of the Association of Boxing Commissions, all fighters who competed 
at the event have been suspended for 60 days for competing on what the commission is calling an unsanctioned show. The show was regulated by the ISKA. Montana did not approve the ISKA as the sanctioning body for the event. 20 fighters, including headliners Joe Riggs and Melvin Gillard, are suspended until December 8th. It's not likely that any of these athletes would be participating in another fight beforehand. It does leave some question, though, with that being the October 9th card. And last weekend, Bare Knuckle just having been in New York and this weekend coming up, We'll tell you about their card in Miami, why Michael Pizzulli was sanctioning the fighters, and not mentioning the promotion. There was a mention in the comments that Miami and May News received that Pizzulli does not discourage bare-knuckle boxing. They are only trying to encourage fighter safety. Okay, now we can get on to this week. Friday morning, one championship from Singapore. It's Next Generation 2. It's a six-fight card. You got two in kickboxing, two in Muay Thai, two in MMA. Former Lion Fights World Champion Smokin' Joe Nanawa is the name on the card I am most excited to watch perform. Now, Friday night, got a couple MMA events to watch, including Friday night, there's a Bellator 271 on Showtime. They're from Miami. The Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino has become a hotbed as of lately for combat sports. Hosting another world title fight Friday, Chris Cyborg defending the women's featherweight title against Zanid Kavanaugh. Cyborg, the only woman to have won Bellator Strike Force, Invicta, and UFC Gold, holding that Bellator title now. The challenger, Kavanaugh, back-to-back victories, a TKO, and a decision to get this opportunity. Cyborg, four wins in a row as she heads into her third title defense, an overwhelming favorite. The co-main event, Terrell Fortune, Lynn Vassell. We're talking about heavyweight action. Fortune is 11-1, while Vassell is 21-8. Fortune, a three-fight win streak. We're talking about a decision over Said Soma. He just beat Vitaly Minikov. And then TKOs of Jack May, longtime combat sports vet, and Matt Mitrione. Getting back to the wrestling has been pivotal for Fortune. Lyndon Vassell, back-to-back TKOs over veterans Hani Marks and Sergei Karatanov. It's pivotal for the success of either men to be the party that's on top in the grappling scenarios. They're both going to be looking to get this one to the ground, get on top, and the man that does is most likely going to win from TKO with ground and pound. In the feature fight, you have a featherweight contest. That man, this one is hugely intriguing. Aaron Pico versus unbeaten Justin Gonzalez. Gonzalez defeat Taiwan Claxton by split decision in his Bellator debut. He's an LFA and Sparta combat champion. But Pico is on a four-fight win streak, finally realizing all the potential that he came into the sport with. Both guys have been through the ringer and have been tested. Gonzalez, so far in his 12-0 start, has faced competition that has put together a 76-24 record. Well, Pico, having been thrown right into the deep end, has fought competition that has a combined record of 128 and 40. 
Gonzalez has four wins by knockout, a submission, and is taking guys into the deep water and just overwhelmed them. I don't know if you're going to be able to drown Aaron Pico, who has six wins by knockout, two decisions. That's 100% finishing rate. He's been killing it in his last couple fights, putting it all together. 9-0, Stephen Mowry, also 100% finishing rate, four wins by knockouts, five by submission, a heavyweight to have an eye on. He's going to be taking on 22-13 PFL vet Rakeem Cleveland, who's now making his way to the Bellator main card with a three-fight win streak, two knockouts, and a submission in his back. On that main card, you're also going to see two veterans of the women's featherweight division, Arlene Blenkow and Pam Sorensen. Both of them, their striking is their best attribute. This one should be a banger. The prelims with a bunch of interesting names. Unbeaten Jordan Newman, unbeaten Cody Law, unbeaten Roman Ferrando. There are some prospects here that Bellator is grooming, and they deserve your attention. Not to mention Valerie Lareda returns from her first loss looking to rebound as she takes on Taylor Turner. This brought to mind to me real quick, well, what happened to Hannah Guy, who pulled off that surprising upset? Well, Guy, I can happily report to you guys, is still competing, and actually just last weekend, under the Summit FC banner in her local Mississippi, got another TKO victory now 4-0. That was after having her October fight in that Summit FC promotion canceled. Gotta raise more than a few eyebrows. That guy is not performing on that Bellator roster after pulling up such a monumental upset against a heralded top prospect. Hmm. Hmm. I'd hate to insinuate that Bellator is only there to put over the people that they intend to, but hmm. Well, we'll move on because there's also LFA action on Friday night. And LFA 118, the second leg of the California doubleheader in Burbank, California. The women's vacant strawweight title up for grabs. Jacqueline Amore, decorated Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, taking on former kickboxing world champion Levette Young. Amore, owner of two of the fastest finishes that women have ever had in the LFA, a 10th second TKO, a 33 second submission. Levette Young back-to-back TKO victories. This one, incredibly opposite styles, just what MMA was based on. Can't wait to see how this one turns out. The co-main event, Leandro Gomes versus Oscar Oscar. Gomes comes in on a four-fight win streak, including beating Yuma Horiguchi by split decision. Askar, five wins by knockout, one by decision, looking to rebound from a loss to Judson Wetzel. He was signed at one point to the UFC, Oscar. Never stepped foot in the octagon. A win here, and he could be primed for a title opportunity. Flyweight bout, Carly Pangillin. 6-1, 4 wins by knockout, 100% finishing rate. That means the other two wins have come by submission. Taking on Victor Rojas, 5-2, 3 knockouts, 2 submissions. Both guys 100% finishing rates. That flyweight bout should produce fireworks. One more bout to mention there on the LFA 118 card in women's strawweight action. 
Sidney Trillo versus Andrea Brown. Both of them are 1-0. and What I know about Brown is she has incredible jiu-jitsu. Can't wait to see what Trillo brings to the cage. Also Friday night in Miami, you got Bellator to choose from. You also got Bare Knuckle FC 22. Cruiserweight title fight, Hector Lombard, Lorenzo Hunt. We already saw Lombard light up Hunt when he tried to get his face inside of the ring some months ago. Luis Palomino back from his deadly bout with COVID to defend his lightweight title against that win. And stepping in to the BKFC circle for the second time, Pearl Gonzalez faces Britton Hart. Saturday, all eyes of the combat sports world on the UFC in the morning. We have an early start time again for this ESPN exclusive fight day prelims at 1 p.m. Eastern. You're going to see the main event. It's Max Holloway, the former featherweight champion of the world, the blessed one, taking on El Pantera, Yair Rodriguez, the tough Latin, Latino one winner, 13-2 overall. Holloway, 10 wins by knockout, 2 submissions, 10 decisions. What you need to know about Holloway, though, is his average time in the UFC, average fight time, is 15 minutes. When he's gotten these TKOs, they've been in the five-round fights where he's been able to break his opponent down later. In that same essence, Yair Rodriguez, four wins by knockout. We know him for the spectacular two-touch head kick of Andre Feely. We know him for the last-second heroic elbow knockout of Chan Sung Jung. You can remember putting the combinations together, taking his boxing to another level, and finishing BJ Penn. But those are all three of the knockouts that Rodriguez has produced in the UFC. His average fight time is over 13 minutes. Interesting statistic in this one. Holloway, when we know he's the longer, the taller of the two fighters. He also comes in as the more active and absorbing a lot more strikes. It's literally Holloway comes in landing 7.73 strikes per minute and absorbing 4.3 strikes per minute. Rodriguez exactly throws 4.3 strikes per minute while absorbing 3.1 strikes per minute throughout his UFC career. Both guys land at about a 45% clip and their defense defends about 60% of the strikes that are thrown at them. They are both elusive and hard to hit but make sure that they hit at a very high clip. It's Holloway's activity, it's his ability to get into that boxing range, unleash with combinations, use his head movement in close, just slide in and out of the way of these strikes and overwhelm you like a wave coming at the island. That's what he's done for so long. And if you can remember back to January, 445 strikes landed against Calvin Cater. It was a disgustingly efficient Possibly one of the best pure boxing performances we've seen out of a competitor in the UFC. Max Holloway is hunting another opportunity at Alexander Volkanovsky. And quite possibly an impressive enough performance may just say that there's no one else in the division deserving of championship status. Rodriguez... He's been known for the dramatic. He's had a flair for it before, but it's how he handled the pressure because all the movement 
that Rodriguez uses that normally is to produce big, flashy, spinning techniques could also be detrimental in a long five-round fight. We saw him at the last second pull it out against Chan Sun Jung. But if the Korean Zombie hadn't been so willing to make it a fan-friendly fight in exchange till that very last second, we would have seen Rodriguez lose a decision. What does the Mexican fighter do to improve on his pure boxing and his defensive ability? He cannot let himself just get pushed back this fight. It's an intriguing one, quite literally, with a title opportunity on the line in the main event. The co-main event, this is a good old-fashioned heavyweight brawl as Brazil's Marcos Rogério Lima, 18-7-1, takes on Big Ben Rothwell, the IFL vet, 39-13, both fighters 3-3 three three throughout their last six. Rothwell's had a couple streaks, while Rogério alternates wins and losses all the time. Rogério, 13 knockouts, 2 submissions, but has lost 5 times by submission. Well, Big Ben, 28 wins by knockout, 7 by submission, does have 4 knockout losses. Mention in the else, because that's where I feel each guy is weakest. Returning for the first time since we saw her win the Ultimate Fighter in the feature fight in women's featherweight action, Leah Letson is going to be taking on Felicia Spencer. Spencer, in desperate need of a win, two consecutive losses after being the top prospect in the women's featherweight division. In bantamweight action, Julio Arceo, 17-4, takes on number 15-ranked Songi Dong, 17-5-1. Arceo stopped Andre Ull in his last fight in July. A heroic return for a Arce, who is more than lethal with his strikes, and is shown now with that win over Ull that he has some real speed at 135. On the other side, Yudong coming off of a split decision win over Casey Kenny. We've known Yudong has an ability to wrestle. He can grind, but his striking took another step up. He leveled up in that fight. This one should produce some fireworks. Not to mention opening up that main card. This was supposed to be the Kevin Holland, Kyle Dawkins rematch. Instead, due to injury, Roman Delize jumps in there. Delize will be looking to use his power and try to get on top. Dawkins, while he is a grappler and can take the neck, is probably going to want to keep this one standing and use his speed advantage from a Delice who is coming down from being a light heavyweight. The prelims, feature prelim, lightweight division, number 15, Thiago Moises, 15-5, a former RFA champion, taking on Joel Alvarez. The Spaniard is 18-2. Alvarez has won three in a row. He is huge at six foot three for 155 pounds. Great kicks, excellent chokes. Moises, double tough man, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt who I've watched for years. His striking evolve and evolve and evolve to the point where he's beat Michael Johnson, Bobby Green, and Alexander Hernandez in his last three. He's coming off of a main event loss on short notice to Islam Mahashev. There is no shame in that game. Made it to the fourth round. We saw now against Dan Hooker how hard that is. For Alvarez, this is a huge opportunity to take a step in the right direction towards superstar and towards being a breakout fighter. For Moises, this is a fight to win to keep yourself in the rankings. Talking about keeping yourself in the rankings, Andrea Lee gets a huge opportunity in the women's flyweight division as the number 12, 12 and 5 fighter takes on Cynthia Calvillo. Calvillo, 9, 3 and 1. 
Lee is thought of as a striker. Her grappling is better than it's thought of, but her this fight has to come from her striking. Where Calvillo, her striking is better than it's thought of, but it's her grappling that's her bread and butter, and she has to get the takedown to really take control here. At 170 pounds, I love this one. Miguel Baeza versus Chaos Williams. Baeza looks to rebound from a loss to Santiago Ponzinibbio. That was a fight that let us know that Ponzinibbio wasn't over the hill, that he wasn't done from his time away from the cage. Well, Baeza did face the loss. He is young with a brilliant jab, a great boxing base, and has shown incredible skills with his chokes. His jiu-jitsu is smooth. Chaos Williams, huge power. He's coming off of a win over Matthew Semmelsberger. It showed an ability to stay behind that jab and to stay technical. This one is going to be a lot of fun. Baeza, I feel, may be the faster and has a more diverse jiu-jitsu game. Well, Chaos Williams has the advantage in raw power. One other fight to mention in the featherweight division. He's six foot one, a huge featherweight. Sean Woods comes in. He hurts guys and gets them to the ground and then submits them. Well, Colin Angle, 8-2, half of his wins by knockout, is a featherweight who likes to exchange and get the job done while standing. So it's the UFC fight night. It's an ESPN Plus exclusive. Holloway versus Rodriguez. I believe this one was flying under the radar. That main event we know is five stars. I think that several other of these fights are going to produce some top contenders. Now, if you know already, Cage Minds, we are based here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So to show the New Mexico local scene some love, tell you guys what's going on around here real quick. This weekend, November 13th, School of Hard Knocks, Boxing and Hobbs, the main event I, Ira Herrera versus Michael Andrews. We're going to have interviews with both of them up on the website. Not to mention in bare knuckle boxing on that same card. Tavares Teague is taking on Sterling Lentz. And Kenneth Jackson will be meeting Abraham Pettis. November 20th, Into the Mountain Gods is going to be hosting a night of boxing as you have Marco Antonio Barrera, Daniel Ponce de Leon, a six-round exhibition as the main event, not to mention unbeaten 30-0, and 23 wins by knockout, Abel Mendoza, and top prospect Clinton Chavez also on the card. And November 20th, here in Albuquerque at the FIT NHB Martial Arts Complex, it's going to be Fight World MMA 20. Again, the website is cageminds.com. The YouTube is Cage Minds MMA Show. Oh, yeah, and check out the After Hours Podcast Network. And support us by picking up the merchandise at nmproshop.com.